you like Dusty in Memphis, we think you'll like Lauren in New Orleans. Here is Lauren Daigle to talk about her new album, or albums, her new musical direction, and working with acclaimed producer Mike Elizondo has brought about a new beginning. We find Lauren in New Orleans eager to talk about all of it. It feels like there's a bit of a new beginning that's right. been a part of the the essence of this entire process. Um, I met Mike right at the beginning of 2021. I think it was 2021. <laughs> there we go with all the years getting confused. But yep, um, yep. I remember being like, huh, okay. And I didn't really know much about Mike. I didn't know about his pedigree. I didn't know how incredible he was. And then when I met him in person, I was like, wow. He was one of the most humble people I've, I've ever met with such a large background. And yep. he created this incredible space in the studio for me to be able to um, share ideas and dream and say, okay, what if we do this here? What if we add this vocal part there? Okay, I'm going to try doing this and it might fail, but I'm just going to try again. There was just this beautiful, um, I don't know, openness that he carries in the studio that is, it allowed me to be completely free. And so, yeah, I feel like this album, the way it came into my life, the way it pulled me out of the COVID season um, right. is genuinely a new beginning. So, so what kind of conversation did you have with Mike about what you wanted him to do and what he wanted you to do and what everything was going to sound like? Yeah, it was. Okay. So it all started, we were in his studio and he looked at me and he said, Hey, like, just so I have an idea, like what, how are you hearing this record sounding? And mm -hmm. I said, well, I, I would, like it not to be a kind of soulful record. I would, I would like it to be a record with pure soul. I wouldn't right. like it to be a record that kind of sounds um, like hip hop sorta. I would like it to have like, if it's gonna, whatever it's gonna be, I would like it to be a pure version of it, not in the nuance or in the style of. Right, right, um, right. The purest side of things in me were like, if we're gonna do a record, I wanna do it all the way. So whatever song that is, like St. Ferdinand, for instance, is a true folk folk song. Um, but instead of trying to add a bunch of stuff to it, we kept it true to the core. It was a clavinet. It was two acoustic guitars. It was um, a cello and an upright bass, just very is, acoustic. Is and a then melodica. It's a melodica from uh, oh. John Batiste. Oh, yeah. cool. So it was it like that song just makes me radiate, you know, and that's some that's a sound I've never done before. But here I am telling Mike, like, I want it to be pure. But I feel like in order for you to know me, you need to come to New Orleans. So okay. he flew down to New Orleans for three, three or four days. And while we're there, this where I take him to dinner. It's a group of us. We're, we're riding. There's four of us. And uh, we walk through the streets in new Orleans and he's seeing all the colors of the houses. He's looking at the architecture and he's like, are we on a movie set? Like, this is crazy. And I bring him to um, Frenchman street, which is where it's this street with lots and lots of music um, and really good jazz. And on the corner, a band is busking. And this band is, you know, phenomenal. The, the bands that busk are just world-class and uh, it starts to slowly rain and I'm dancing in the street with the band and, all of a sudden, a car drives by, dark tinted windows, really, really slow. And I'm thinking, oh, no, no, no. You know, New Orleans doesn't have the best rap for being the safest city in the world. So I'm right. thinking, 
Hopefully nothing is about to go down. And right as the car pat, like begins to cross our plane, the window rolls down and out comes a trumpet and he starts playing in time with the band that's busking on the street. And that was the moment that Mike looked at me and he said, my entire perspective of this record has just changed. This, right, right. It, it just, it, it set him up to see exactly what it was that I was talking about. Yep, it's a pretty cool city. I've been there once. And the, the moment I arrived at the airport, the first person I saw was Alan Toussaint leaving the airport. So you can't beat oh, that, huh? You can't beat that. <laughs> that is the introduction of all introductions. <laughs> and he was looking very sharp. It was definitely, oh, yeah. <laughs> and it was like five in the morning. It was insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I wonder if he was actually leaving a gig because that would seem accurate. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, so. The songs that comprise the album, not all of them are yours. Some of them are yours. You're co-writing. How did they come together? Do they? Do you think of them as a whole or as a bunch of separate little things? Oh, yeah. I think of them as a whole. Um, each story in the song lends itself to another one. They all hold hands. It's meant to be listened to as a solid record, um, right. not just like a singles-based project. Um, yeah. And it... Um, I just lost my train of thought. It, yeah. What was the first part of that question that you asked? Uh, um, about the songwriting. and Oh, songwriting, the, yes. So yeah. um, I wrote on every song with uh, some other writers who I cannot tell you how incredible they were. Natalie right. Hemby, Amy, Amy Wadge, um, Topher Brown, John Green, Shane McAnally, Jason Ingram, just a lot of writers that really helped me find my voice in this season of writing, like what I was saying, this new beginning that has yep. kind of taken place. Um, they really were advantageous to the writing process and getting stories out of me. A every time I'd step in with Natalie, she'd say, okay, so what is it that you want to say? And when you have someone ask you that every single day, you're like, I don't, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I don't know, but she somehow found ways in that season when I felt, you know, somewhat voiceless, like the world was changing and I felt like the weight of it all was just crushing. Uh, I, I found myself feeling just like I didn't have anything to offer the world at that time. I didn't, I didn't know how to use my voice. And she really helped me find that through writing and uh, through these songs. So it was very, yeah, really beautiful. Yeah. Now, speaking of something to say, uh, one track that I wanted to talk about was Don't Believe Them, which sounds like mm. you do have something you want to get across there. What can you tell me about it? Yes. So I, I go into Natalie's studio and she's like, hey, I have this idea. I say, yeah, tell me about it. She was like, she sits at the Rhodes piano and she goes, na, 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 na. and if you know her, she has this like piercing way of singing. Na, 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 na. And she goes through this whole bit and she says, the last thing she says, how are you going to live out the words you're preaching if you don't believe them? And I was like, oh, okay, we might be on to something. I was like, oh, right. goodness. So we actually wrote that, that song starting with the end. We wrote it backwards, the chorus, versus like starting with the theme and going forward. Um, and that song is all about just learning it's about learning from the state of the world that we're in right now and um i don't know what it's like over there in new zealand but you know <laughs> during the 
the 2020 election, there was a lot of intensity. And it's really easy to sit in one box and say, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. This is how this is going to go. And I found myself in that box. So I'm not eliminating me from that equation. Um, But I think after some years have passed, it's like, oh, man, I I hate that that time was so... um, divisive. And I I wish, I know of people whose families were separating because of political uh, differences and things like that. And so I really wrote that song to just to unmask all of it and say, come on, y'all, we've got to, we got to step up as a people. Right. And I noticed that the the final two songs on the album are big kind of rousing, uplifting and positive. Is that the plan? That's the plan. So thank God I do. You start off with this feeling of despair, this feeling of desperation, this feeling of um, going through some sort of pain or adversity, if you will. And by the time the record ends, it arcs to, these are the days we've been dreaming of. I didn't even know this is what we were going to see, but the the dark skies have cleared up and we're in this time of jubilation. And that was just to show what kind of transpired through me um, while making this record, it was kind of, you know, it started off in COVID. We started writing during COVID. It was really intense. There was a lot of longing in that season. It was, I was filled with a lot of disappointment. And then fast forward to now, uh, getting to put out a record out like this is something I've literally dreamt of my whole life. And so these are the days that I've been, been dreaming of, if you will. There's another record in the making. Um, it, we already finished everything. It's, it's ready to roll. It's in, uh, it's going to vinyl very soon. And so it's not meant to be a separate piece. Like it's meant to piggyback on the, Uh, the other record. Like they're meant to hold hands. Originally it was all one, it was all 20. And, um, Julie and I were listening down to it and she said, Hey, I have a question. And I know this is going to be asking like, Vincent Van Gogh to cut Starry Night in half, but <laughs> will you consider doing this in two parts? And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm about that. Well, let's see. And she said, let me, let me tell you why. We just sat here for two hours and listened to a record. Now we're old school. We like music, but, but the, it has shifted a bit. Yeah. And, you know, I, I said, let me just think about this because I didn't really see this going this way. But the more I thought about it, I was like, I don't want, because social media and all these things have taken people's attention span. I don't want like tracks 14 through 19 to just get like the glaze over because people are fatigued. So I I said, yeah, I want to, I want to sit here. Let's break it up into two parts so that people can really digest the whole thing. Let, let them live with it for a bit and then have the second one come out. The other thing is if I was a fan and I just waited five years for someone to put a record out, I would hope it would be more than one record, you know, gotcha, I, would, gotcha. yep. I would hope that there'd be a little more to it. So, um, yeah, that was the, the heart behind it. Excellent. Well, it sounds like we've run out of time, so better let you go. You've probably got lots of other people to talk to and stuff, but uh, uh-huh. thanks for spending some time with me and hopefully we'll see you back down in these parts again soon. Absolutely. Marty, thank you so much. This is a great interview. I appreciate it.